so um, we're starting a new um, series um, on uh, values in the church around the church on, so on the door as you came in you might have noticed the the poster there um, with values and we have four values um, in the church which are spirit-filled bible saturated sharing jesus and loving god and others and we believe these values are the attitudes and uh, beliefs that we need to have in all that we do as a church so that our church is healthy and growing and is the sort of church that we see in the book of acts and i'm going to read uh, from the book of acts which luke one of the disciples wrote um, and it's it's really a book about the work of the holy spirit in the early church that's why it's called the acts of the apostles it's the it's the acts that the apostles did in the power of the holy spirit so i'm going to read um, from acts chapter 2 verses 38 to 47. now this is um it starts off with peter preaching on the day of pentecost in jerusalem there were thousands of jews gathered in pentecost for a festival and peter preached and reminded the people that just a f literally weeks earlier a lot of the people gathered there had called for jesus to be crucified and peter explains that it was the lord's will that it was for jesus to be crucified and to die and then to rise again and then ascend back to heaven but it's still the responsibility of the people that they called for an innocent man jesus to be crucified so the people then say well what should we do they are cut to the heart by the holy spirit and peter says repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of jesus christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promises for you and for your children and for all who are far off everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself and with many other words he bore witness and continued to exhort them saying save yourselves from this crooked generation so those who received the word were baptized and there were added that day about three thousand souls and they devoted themselves to the Apostles teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers and all came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles and all who believed were together and had all things in common and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need and day by day attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes they received their food with glad and sincere hearts praising God and having favor with all the people and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved so we have a picture there of the early church that were formed through the power of the spirit and people coming to faith and being filled with the spirit and we have a picture there of what sort of church was born the church of the book of acts was a church that was filled with the spirit it was bible saturated because they were devoted to the apostles teaching they were sharing jesus because the lord was adding to their number daily those who were being saved now that only the lord can add people to the church but the people obviously were boldly witnessing 
we know, right through the book of Acts, because we see Peter and John preaching. So along with the Holy Spirit, the Lord was adding through the witness of, of the church to his church. And they were loving God and others. They, they were filled with awe and wonder. They met with glad and sincere hearts. They were worshiping as often as they could with passion and sincerity and gladness. And they were loving one another. They were sharing with all who had need in the church and outside the church. And they had favor with all the people, which means not just the church in the people in the church, but with the whole community looked with favor on this church because of their generosity and love, which spilled out into the culture. So I want to take the next five Sundays to go through each of these four uh, values. Yes, this one is this week and next week. I'm going to take two weeks on spirit-filled and one week on each of the others. These are the values which, as a church, we've identified from Acts chapter 2, which let, were underlying their behavior. Um, it's a bit like an iceberg. You see, most of the iceberg is underwater. You don't see it. But the top part, you see and the behavior that we see in the in the early church was they were devoted to teaching devoted to prayer devoted to breaking bread they were devoted to meeting together there was generosity there were signs and wonders they were full of joy and gladness and the holy spirit but underneath the surface there are values which are driving that kind of church life and they are these number one is spirit filled so there's the picture of the iceberg You've got behaviors and practices that you can see, and we see them in Acts chapter 2. And then underneath the waterline, we have values which are not observable. Um, we, have to, we have to look for the motivations under the surface that cause them to behave as they did. You see, culture, whether it's family culture, every family has a culture, by the way. Um, you know this because when you get together at Christmas, one family does things one way and another family does them another, right? You know that na nations have cultures. We have a culture in Britain, don't we? I'll come to that in a moment. Churches have cultures. Um, and those, that culture, that observable behavior is formed by the values that that organization or group of people hold the bit that you don't see under the surface, under the water, right? The values that underpin create the culture. Uh, if, you're in, if you're in business and you know all this, I, I'm sorry, Pete, because you, Pete does values. He does all this soft stuff as part of his work. So I'm teaching granny to suck eggs, but it's good for us to be reminded. So culture is a learned set of shared interpretations about beliefs, values, norms, and social practice which affect the behaviors of a group of people. Um, so I looked in Country Living magazine, as you do. I found the top 10 aspects of British culture. This is the iceberg above the surface. What are, what's typical Brit's behavior? Dunking biscuits in our tea, avoiding sitting next to someone on public transport at all costs, incessant queuing, apologizing for everything, Eating chips with weird toppings, such as curry sauce, gravy, or cheese. Never-ending politeness. Eating fry-ups for breakfast. Awkwardly stepping side to side, trying to walk past someone. Pretending to like people that we don't. 
and having meals based on days of the week, for example, Sunday roast and Friday fish and chips. I didn't write the list, all right, that's country living for you, but there are some behaviours that you can identify there that are typically British, all right? We, there's a British reserve, isn't there, and a politeness. Um, we, we, we love queuing, or maybe we don't love queuing, but we, we queue. Um, so uh, I think there's a slide uh, I've got of this. Yeah, queuing. So on the, one of the surface behaviours of Brits is queuing, all right? What's going on under the, under the surface of the... What sort of values do we have as Brits which mean that we queue? Well, I would, I would suggest respect, courtesy, and a kind of British reserve is going on under the surface. Um, other people don't queue. Uh, they, they, they find it weird that we queue, all right? They just think we're, we're odd. Well, we are, aren't we? We're Brits. We're odd. We're allowed to be. Well, that's um, one example of um, above the iceberg, um, there's the behaviour, the culture, and below the iceberg, there's the values that are driving that that sort of behaviour. I don't know if you're aware, but British values are taught in school. Are you aware of this? Um, here they are. Individual liberty, um, the rule of law, tolerance and democracy. These are all taught in our schools. You may not agree entirely with the ways in which they're all taught, but they are good Christian principles. Have you noticed that? These are not secular values. These are all derived from Christian principles. Um, I'm just going to go through some of these really, really quickly. Um, so democracy is built on the balance of our individual rights and responsibilities, which is in scripture, by the way. Paul stood on his rights on a number of occasions. Did you know this? When he was about to be punished, he called on his right as a Roman citizen not to be flogged when he was arrested because he was a Roman citizen. So it is right that we defend individual rights. But there's also responsibilities that goes with those rights in a democracy. Um, now, if you're anything like me, you're wondering whether some of our politicians are exercising their responsibilities alongside their rights at the moment. And we should be questioning that, shouldn't we? particularly in a democracy. There seems to be little accountability in our politicians at the moment. We have the right to be treated with justice and equality because all human beings are made in the image of God. That is a biblical value. It's not made up by the culture. It's not secular value. It's coming from the Bible. Secularists make out like they've come up with these out of common sense. Well, where does common sense comes from? It comes from being made in the image of God. These are biblical Christian principles that were there far before secularists ever got to them. Um, our Christian values have shaped our culture over centuries, haven't they? These values are shaped by Christianity, the rule of law, Ten Commandments shape so much of our modern laws in society. Tolerance, it's a Christian value, isn't it? Now, we haven't got time to go into the detail of this this morning. It's not the place. It's not a politics lecture. But you can recognise Christian values running right through, permeating these British values. Now, I don't agree with all of the ways that these are taught in school, by the way. 
but that's not for this morning. I cringe uh, as, as a governor with some of the, the outworkings of these values, all right? But nonetheless, they are Christian driven. They are derived from scripture. Um, responsibilities, by the way, you can see in the parable of the Good Samaritan. We are not only called to, to have rights, we are also called to exercise our freedom in doing good to our neighbor. That's a biblical principle. That's about what it means to live in a democracy and so forth. British culture is often described now as secular, which means that God has largely been marginalized. However, the residue of of Christian culture still remains with us strongly. I recommend a book to you by a historian called Tom Holland, who wrote a book called Dominion, a fantastic book. He's a historian, but he's recently become a Christian, and he's written that all of these principles that we see on the screen there, all of these values are shaped by the Bible and Christian faith over time. So yes, our culture may have pushed God to the margins and out, out of common parlance, but our culture is still Christian. We're still living with the residue, the legacy of Christianity, whether we admit to it or not. Most secularists don't admit to it, but it's actually a point of evangelism. You can say to people, well, I can find all of these values in scripture. I can show you these values in scripture. They were there way before the government or any secularist came up with them. That's a point of evangelism. That's a common ground for talking about faith, by the way. Now, some, some um, theologians are talking about the secularization of Western culture as if it's inevitable that culture is going to go more and more away from God in the West. Well, folks, I'm here to say, having just written an essay partly about this, it's not actually happening. Uh, there, is, there are green shoots of recovery in this nation, which I want to share with you this morning. Pentecostalism is growing globally at an incredible rate, and that's exciting. Um, and I've been studying this in my essay on apostles. And what's actually happening in the nation, in London and in Birmingham and in other cities, is there are, is, is evidence of a revitalization of the Christian faith going on right now. It is not inevitable that our European culture will become more and more secular. In fact, if you look at the global picture, the world is becoming more faith-driven, more religious. Christianity is burgeoning and exploding in the global south, particularly in Pentecostalism. It's good news. God is on the move in power. And God is on the move in this country. If you look at church planting in Birmingham, there is a huge amount of new church plants in Birmingham and up north in York too, as well as in London, of new apostolic churches and Pentecostal churches and Orthodox churches, you might be surprised, as well as fresh expressions of church. There are all sorts of churches popping up in our cities because we are becoming more multicultural. Multiculturalism is a good thing for the faith. We have the most multicultural faith in the world. Christianity is the only faith that's reached all nations of the earth, all ethnicities and languages. It crosses boundaries. And it's good news that we are seeing lots of different 
cultures entering our culture because they are revitalizing and renewing our church. Are you with me? The, the, I've looked at the data, it's exciting. You're Eastern Europeans, Africans, South Americans are revitalizing church life up and down this nation. I find it really exciting. Bring it on, I say, Lord. We once took the faith overseas. Now the faith is coming to us from overseas. God has a sense of humor, doesn't he? He's using the global south to reinvigorate the very nations that once sent missionaries to the global south. God can do whatever he wants to do. One of the fastest growing churches is in China. I don't know if you're aware of the Chinese church, one of the most persecuted and oppressed churches, and yet one of the fastest growing churches on the planet. God is not bound by oppression and by human systems. God is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. And his kingdom, his church is growing now in Britain. And there are some exciting green shoots of renewal and recovery. So I just want to share that with you because my heart is quite warmed by that. And I think we need to be more open to what God is doing. Maybe God is saying to us as a church that we need to have our eyes open to the multicultural growth that is going on around the nation and be open to that and be praying for that, for that renewal to come into the church. I don't know about you. I love it when we have different nationalities in the church. I wish we had more. I honestly wish we had more. Let's pray that God would bring in people from many, many different nations to our, to our church and that we would see the revitalization of this church. Um, don't know, I don't know where any of this is coming from. It's not in the notes, but I'm just speaking out what I believe God has given me this morning, all right? This is, what, this is a word of God, I believe, for you. Where am I going to go now? You see, we have a culture out there which is trying to squeeze us into its mold. But God would have us not be squeezed into the mold of the culture that we're in, but to live out kingdom values in our culture, to create the sort of culture that we see in the church in the book of Acts, right? Full of joy, full of passion, full of sincerity, full of devotion to teaching, to prayer. Um, I, I long to be uh, in that place in this church when people are on the edge of their seats on a Sunday morning. It's always hard. The, the Sunday after uh, an amazing baptismal service is really hard because it feels a bit, oh, flat. And yet God is still here. The God who was with us last Sunday morning has not changed. He's still with us. The spirit is among us and he wants to do new things in us and with his church. Do we believe that? Yes. Hallelujah. God doesn't change. God's not gone to sleep because it's the Sunday after the baptismal service. God is on the move powerfully. And God wants a culture in his church at Heatherville that's like the culture in the church in Acts 2. He wants a church that's devoted to the apostles' teaching, devoted to prayer, devoted to fellowship. He wants people with glad and sincere hearts. 
He wants people with a bold, confident faith that will go out and tell people about Jesus. He wants us to be generous with our time, our resources, that there might not be needs among us, but that we might be sharing and have everything in common. He wants us to be loving him and loving one another and loving our community so that we have favor with our community. We have a lot of favor with our community, by the way. The people that come in to Let's Do Lunch, the people that come into Bereavement Cafe, Coffee Stop, speak highly of this church. I should say seniors as well. Leslie's face is reminding me. They speak highly of this church. She sat there, George, which is why I was reminded. <laughs> no, no, definitely not. Definitely not. Thank you. Thank you very much, George. I appreciate it. Thank you for having my back. People think highly of this church in this community because of the love that spills over into the community. But we want more power, more of God in this church. We want people to be on the edge of their seats when the word of God is read out with anticipation and excitement to come and meet with the living God. We want you, when you come through the door and me, to be filled with anticipation and joy and excitement, just as the early church were. Today, we're meeting with Jesus, right? This is not just a Sunday and this is what we do week by week. This is the place where we encounter Jesus in his risen power and glory because the Holy Spirit is in us and among us, right? That's why we're here. We're here because we're hungry for an encounter with the living God. And that's why spirit-filled must be the first value on the list. We must hunger and thirst for to, to be filled with more of the Holy Spirit. Because without being filled with the Holy Spirit, you cannot be hungry for the Bible. You cannot be confident in sharing Jesus. You won't be loving God and others because you won't have the fuel, as Mark put it. Your balloon will be empty. You see, we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will give you a hunger and a thirst for the Bible. Right? That's why I'm so excited about this course. As you study scripture, God gives you an appetite for more of him because that's how the Holy Spirit works. This is the sword of the spirit the bible and god works through the bible to set our hearts on fire so as we read scripture he warms our hearts and we encounter him so we need first of all to be spirit filled god needs to renew and change our hearts from the inside out so that we can be bible saturated sharing jesus loving god and others you see all of these values are the ones beneath the surface of the, of the water that create kingdom culture. That's what creates kingdom culture. The early church was spirit-filled, Bible-saturated, sharing Jesus, loving God and others. They were fueled, motivated by the spirit, by the Bible, by sharing Jesus, by loving God and, and one another and the community. And that, those values spilled out into the kingdom culture of the church. That's the sort of culture we want, isn't it?
sorry, uh, Jasper, I haven't followed my notes at all here. I apologise. There we go. It's just the way it's gone. I'm not going to say anything else because I feel the Holy Spirit has said what he wants to say. I haven't even touched on most of my notes, but that's okay. The Holy Spirit wants to renew our hearts this morning. He wants us to ask him to give us a hunger and thirst to be more like the Acts 2 church. He wants us to have hungry hearts for more of his power. He wants us to be on fire so that reading the Bible is a delight, not a duty. He wants us to be confident so that sharing our faith is something that we can't help but do. He wants us to be filled with his presence and power so that we have a passion to love God and one another and love the community. You see, if coming to church and doing this Christian thing is just a kind of drudgery, there's something wrong. If this is an interruption to your busy life coming here this morning, there's something drastically wrong. This is life, being filled with the Spirit, serving Jesus, loving God, serving our neighbor, being Bible-saturated, sharing Jesus, loving God and others. That is the essence of what it means to be a Christian. And if that's not what's driving you, if you've got other things to be getting on with in life, maybe God is speaking to you and saying, are you hungry and thirsty for more of my spirit to change your values? Maybe your values are too self-centered. Maybe your values are too secular and worldly. Maybe your values are materialism or consumerism or having a comfortable existence. That's not what the Bible is about. That's not what Christianity is about. Christianity is a radical adventure with Jesus, a life filled with joy, passion, purpose, meaning in building kingdom culture. That's exciting. Far more exciting than secular culture can offer you. See, the secular culture says you can have meaning and purpose through what you buy, the holidays you go on, the latest things that you can purchase. Jesus says, take up your cross and follow. Die to self. Take up your cross and live for me. Then you will find true freedom. Would you stand with me? Let's, let's just show some respect and awe for God this morning. Let's just recognize that God is in this place. The Holy Spirit is here and he's speaking to us. Holy Spirit, we need your power. Holy Spirit, we are hungry and thirsty to be renewed and changed and transformed. Lord, we're not happy with where we're at as a church and individuals. Lord, we want to confess our apathy, our indifference, our lukewarmness. Lord, you're not everything to us all of the time, and we want you to be. Lord, we haven't loved you with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. We haven't loved our neighbors ourselves. Lord, we've pushed you to the sidelines. We've made you a hobby and not the center of our lives. Lord, forgive us. Have mercy on us. Lord, we repent of self-centeredness. We repent of materialism and secular values that we see in culture. Jesus, be enthroned in our lives. Lord, we submit again to you as king. Jesus, come and take your place on the throne of my life. I want you just to spend a moment just 
asking Jesus to come in and be Lord of your life. Just take a moment to repent of apathy, worldliness, of indifference, of repent of turning Jesus into a, a hobby, a sideline, and make him the King and the Lord that he is in your life. Do that now. Now, why don't you just, in your own prayers, just invite the Holy Spirit to come afresh on you. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. Would you come and fill us afresh? Holy Spirit, come. Why don't you just invite the Spirit to come in a new way, in a powerful way in your own life, to fill you afresh, to set your heart on fire again, to renew you, to give you a fresh hunger and thirst for God and his word and for prayer. Do that now. Come, Holy Spirit, have your way in us. Set our hearts on fire again. Change us from the inside out. Give us a passion, Jesus, for you. A love for you. Come, Holy Spirit. I can really sense, uh, I can really sense the power of the Spirit here this morning. Just uh, feel His presence. Um, we're gonna, we're gonna sing uh, a song. Um, Come, set your rule and reign. This is a, this is a, a song that prays for more of the Spirit's power in our lives. So let's sing this with passion. Let's do that first again a bit faster, shall we? Mm -hmm. 
of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. <laughs>